Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. This one is just fantastic. It's with Tab Singleton from Fat Tab's Barbecue in Idabel, Oklahoma. And Idabel, Oklahoma is about two and a half hours northeast of Dallas. So it's not that far away from Dallas. It's a small town, and he is putting out fantastic food. I talked to Daniel recently about his place and he just raved about it. His story is so great. It involves him going down to New Orleans and working at one of Emerald's restaurants, NOLA, and all the different ways he moved up in that restaurant and then him going on Chopped and he won Chopped. So he goes into detail all about Chopped. So that's interesting because a lot of us, most of us have not been on Chopped. So it's really cool. And then he talks about his different business ventures and going back to New Orleans. And then during the pandemic, heading back to Ida Bell, Finding this place that used to be a burger spot and turning into a barbecue joint that's pumping out awesome stuff. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He goes into all the detail about what they're serving, his mindset about food. You're going to love it. He's such a great guy. It's super interesting. Really cares about family. Really cares about put it catering towards the locals as well as people coming from Texas or people who like Texas barbecue. Anyways, I'll cut to the chase. I can't thank Chef Tab enough for taking the time. So sit back, relax, enjoy this. Be sure to stay safe and visit your local barbecue joint. Good afternoon, Tab. How are you doing today? I am good. Yeah. I'm doing well, doing well. I'm really, <laughs> I am really excited. Your your food looks fantastic. Talking After talking to Daniel, I was even more intrigued to hear about your story. And then something really wonderful just uh, popped up, uh, uh, <laughs> a James Beard nod. How, so, so how did that come about and how do you feel about that? It's pretty fresh. I, to be honest, I mean, I was, I was truly shocked. And because I saw it... Um, Daniel Vaughn posted that some barbecue restaurants from Texas got nominated. And I was like, oh, they released the James Beard Award. I said, I just wanted to go check who all made it from Texas. I mean, I wouldn't even, I had no idea that we would be on it. Because there's a couple guys here lately in Oklahoma City that's been getting a lot of nods. And last year, Chef Black, actually, from Oklahoma City, he won Best oh, Chef yeah. Southwest last year. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and look. And I was like, oh, okay, Jeff made it again. He made it. He has a great restaurant in Oklahoma City. And I just strolled down there. And I was just, we were prepping at the restaurant. And I just, I was like, oh, my goodness. And they looked at me and everything else. And oh. and I, I was speechless. And I I said a bunch of cuss words, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then so I showed my, my nephew. And then I was like, Wow. And then the next thing I know, my phone just started blowing up from people congratulating me and everything else. And I was like, man. So I didn't know until that's I a saw fun, that actually a really on. fun. That's a fun way to find out is just randomly reading the list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is really cool. And and it, it is it for it's for what was the category? It's uh, uh, best chef Southwest best chef category. Southwest. And that's Oklahoma. I think. Uh, I forgot all the other states that are involved yeah. in that one, uh, New Mexico and things like that. There's a lot of great restaurants and and everything else. And I'm, just, I mean, we're just thrilled to get nominated, especially for barbecue in the state of Oklahoma, which makes me uh, so that's happy. Just yeah. totally, oh, that's just crazy. And like I said, I, I told everybody else, I said, I'm just, we're just going to keep right now doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not expecting to to make it to the finalists or anything like that. It just just to get the nod, I'm I'm happy with. And that, so, and for for people to know, that's you're in the semi that puts you in the semifinals. Right now, we're in the semis. They'll release the five finalists from each category, division wise, on April 10th. From what I've oh. read and uh, looked at everything, and then they'll do the awards assembly. I mean, the awards ceremony in June is what they're going to do. But I think they, from what I understand, they take five people. Okay. Um, from each category, so. Did you know? Right, that, yeah. Did they, they stop by? Like, I wonder, because I know, like, with isn't there something with like a spoon with Michelin or something? Like, they drop a spoon or there's something like a. I, a I have no idea. If they did, <laughs> it's one of those days when we're probably busy and I can barely look up because, I mean, you come into our restaurant. I mean, we got five tables and okay. you may be able to get 20 people in here. So we do we do a lot of takeout. And um, there's some days it's we got a big line and we we try to. I guess you could say turn and burn just so we can try to make some decent money. So we try to get our people want to go orders. We try to get them out. And so it can get, it gets pretty wild in here. And like I said, we're super short staff. So, you know, it's usually me. I'm on the block chopping. My nephew's on the computer. I have my sister. She's over here doing plate ups and everything else. And then we always try to do a special of the day or something like that. People always say, tell me, they're like, oh, did you say, I, no, I didn't know you came in. I'm sorry. Cause I mean, we were busy, busy. And, and like I said, I'm more of the 
focus on make sure everything's right, get things done, this and that, this and that. And but yeah, in this little old building, I mean, we can we turn and burn, and it, it's sometimes we look up and it's twelve thirty, and I'm like, golly, that went crazy. But yeah. so it's it's been fun so far. So let's let's. I want to take a step back because a lot of that too go, come, goes in line with with your previous occupation like what yes, you sir. were doing down in mm-hmm. uh, new orleans uh did you grow up in oklahoma born and raised here in Idabel, actually Idabel. uh and and i graduated here in Idabel, class of 97 and i worked odd jobs off and on after i graduated mainly construction and things like that but i've always me and one of my good friends we always joked around about uh, one of these days let's open up a sports bar you know because you know young and dumb at that age we were going out <laughs> hitting bars having a good time like yeah. you know we could do this one day and I was like, yeah, I'll cook some food. I mean, just stuff, cooking on the grill in the backyard and, you know, just having a good time drinking some cold beer and firing up a grill, you know, any chance we got. It finally got to the point to where I was like, you know what, I really like this cooking stuff. It's pretty fun. And and I said, you know, we're talking about wanting to do this sports bar and thing one day. I said, let's, I'm going to go out and do it. So I applied and I went into uh, OSU Tech, Oatmogee Tech here in Oklahoma City. I'm not Oklahoma City, in Oatmogee in Oklahoma. And it's a, it's a tech school. And so I went into the culinary program. Oh, smart. I went into culinary program and I think I was there. Uh, I made it two, a year and a half. It was about a year and a half is what I made it. And I enjoyed everything about it. But at that time, I got this offer to go do telecommunications when they were doing all this different fiber work and everything oh, else. Yeah. And they're like, great money. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I should. Um, so I went into that route which that lasted about another, I think, year and a half and the stock market crashed and yeah. I lost my job. They cut people. And so I needed a job. And then so luckily I just, we just moved to the area and I applied at the sports bar in Norman, Oklahoma. And so they saw that I went to culinary school and I got on there. And so mainly from that point on, I stayed in the restaurant industry. I enjoyed what we did there and it was pretty fun, you know, doing as more of a trying to be an upscale at the time, more of an upscale sports bar and everything else. But then food network comes on and you start learning about all these yeah, new chefs and things they're doing. So you get more intrigued to me. I was one of those guys that's always like, you know what, if I want to learn it, I, I want to go put my hands on it, learn it myself. So I moved around after that. I went to a place called Polo Girl in Tulsa, which was, very top rated steakhouse okay in uh, Oklahoma and in the United States at the time and they have a huge wine program so that's when I fell in love with wine pairings and different cuts of meat and doing all that more upscale stuff and they were their white tablecloth and that's when I got my first taste of it and when I got that first uh, polo grill the way they ran the show and the way they did everything I was like you know what I love this stuff and I said this is the kind of food I want to do and so I was having a blast working there, this and that. And then, of course, at the time, still watching Food Network and all that good stuff. You know, I was like, you know what? I want to get into doing what some of these fine dining chefs are really doing. I want to learn more about it. So I put up, because uh, at the time, Oklahoma was mainly meat and potatoes, nice steakhouses and things like that. It's nowhere near like Oklahoma City is right now. Oklahoma City is like. A, a, a chef's playground right now. I've heard it's, uh, yeah, really. They are just blowing up with great prospects and people are coming to the area. And, um, you know, there's a lot of chefs up there and loosening up their belts and having fun up there. And that's what I like about the way the Oklahoma food scene is turning Oklahoma City wise. So yeah, I was okay. wanting to learn, a, wanting to learn a lot of this stuff. And so I sent out some resumes. I was like, you know, I'm going to get out of Oklahoma if I'm going to learn this stuff. So I sent some to Emeralds and then I sent some to Bobby Flays and there's, the one in New York, I applied at Mesa Grill, and then I sent resumes. I started faxing resumes to Emerald's home base and things like that. And then I finally got a call from one of the resumes I sent out, and it was from the Ritz-Carlton in uh, St. Thomas in oh. the Virgin Islands. And I was like, well, that won't be bad. I'll go play on the sand <laughs> on my days off. And the, she totally did. And we went through the whole hiring process and everything else with them, and the week before I was about to sign and go down there, Chef Michael Roos at the time was the uh, chef de cuisine at Nola oh, yeah. Restaurant, mm-hmm. which is uh, Emerald Lagasse's second restaurant in New Orleans. And he said, hey, man, I saw your resume come across my table. We're doing some hiring. You have time to talk. And I was like, 
yeah, I don't want to tell him that in another hour I have another interview with the Ritz Carlton. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, yeah. I'm, yeah. So we started talking. He said, man, I looked on your resume. And he said, what struck me is that he said, you like barbecue, don't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I love barbecue. And me and my dad and my brother, we would always do some of these local cook-offs here in, in our oh, hometown cool. of Idabel. Used to, they used to have these big, pretty nice um, barbecue competitions during one of our local festivals. So we'd get in that and play in that. And he's, I saw you won some awards. And I was like, well... Let me let me backtrack. I said, yeah, well, we have won awards. I put that on my thing. I said, well, I do love barbecue. And he said, well, what you? He said, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm, I'm here in Tulsa at a, at a steakhouse. And I, he said, well, why are you wanting to leave? But I said, I, I said I want to learn more. I said, the more I research food, the more I want to learn about it. And I said, I can sit here and read a cookbook all day and practice it myself. And I said, but I want to see it from the horse's mouth, as they say, and go down there and I want to work in it. So we talked the whole hour mainly about barbecue and it wasn't so anything about my resume what anything <laughs> about coming down and he said i tell you what let me give you a call back and i was like okay sure so luckily the people from ritz carlton they bumped their their last interview like for the two days later and then so uh chef Ruth called back and then we started talking again and then um so we actually started about and i told him i said yeah I, I'm, I, I'm eager to learn and this was right after katrina they finally started opening uh, the city back up. Yeah. So of course there was a lot of, they were doing a lot of hiring and everything looked for some uh, folks. And so I debated, debated, debated. And so I called him, I said, you know what? I said, I think I may want to make this move down there. And he said, well, come down here. He said, first, come down. He said, have you ever been to New Orleans? I said, no, sir. I said, I've barely been out of the state of Oklahoma. And I said, at the time, I think I may have went to Dallas once in my whole life. And I'm, 23 24 years old <laughs> and um so we drove down to new orleans and of course uh my sister she jumps in the ride my mom drives in the ride and we knew about katrina and everything else and well going down to visit nola is in the french quarter and so we literally went to armored guards wow. to get to the restaurant for my interview oh my god uh, just because they just they were still opening up the city and there was i mean it was like look not a war zone but it was they had a lot of military on every, different corners, this and that, this and that. Wow. And of course, my mom, she looks at me with her eyes this big around, like, like are, what you are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. So we went in, and so I shook hands, finally met Chef Michael Roos, and he showed me around the restaurant. And as soon as I walked in the front door, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to work here. I mean, because you got to see the proper table setups, the fine dining china, the servers were all just decked out perfect. And we ate there and it was just the service is what got me at first. Cause I remember Greg, uh, Greg was our server that day, which he ended up becoming a manager. And we're really good friends these days. Oh wow. And just his, the way he waited on tables and they, you know, they spoiled us. He sent a bunch of stuff out to us and I, he said, Hey, you got time. And I'll go show you around Emeralds at the time. Emeralds had, uh, his first restaurant on Chapatulas. And then he had Delmonico steakhouse also. And so he took me, I jumped in with him. We went, looked at all the other restaurants. He introduced me to all the chefs and everything. So that was pretty cool. We got back to the restaurant and he said, well, I'll tell you what, your resume, what you have right now on paper and what you're wanting to do. He said, I can get you a job at any of these restaurants. Where do you want to work? And I said, well, you're the one that called me. You're the one that got me in the, the vehicle and showed me around. I said, I want to start working for you. So two weeks, I came back, loaded up, moved to New Orleans Found me a place real quick. And I think when I moved into my apartment, I had a blow-up mattress, uh, two fold-out like camping chairs. I had a fold-out table with the TV on it. And that's what I moved down there with and clothes. I had nothing else. No pots, no pans, no nothing. I mean, I was embarrassed to have people come over to my apartment because I didn't have anything in there. So I just started working. And at the time, like I said, there was it was hard to find a lot of workers. So, I mean, I was able to easily get 75 hours a week, 70, 75 wow. hours. So I took advantage of, and like I said, I was just wanting to learn so much. Did I you mean, move from station to station to station? Did you get a chance? We to moved. I, yeah. I, and they pretty much fast tracked me through a lot of stuff. I got to work on, start on the stations, this and that. And I, about eight months in, he approached me and another gentleman. And he says, well, we're able to put some people up in what they call the MIT program at the time, which is man management and training oh. to become a sous chef or, anything down the line. So he chose me and another guy. So we got into the course and from there, that's when everything really started going on. We were able to 
help with food ordering. We were able to, they made trips in the bakery where we worked in the bakery. We had to work a certain amount of time in the butcher shop. Oh. And then we helped the chefs at the, at night with ordering and cleanup checkout. And plus at the same time, we still worked our line and did everything else. There were some things come up and one of the sous chefs left and had to leave. And then they, he approached me and said, Hey, you're doing a really good job. And I, we want people on our management that we trust. He said, would you like to be sous chef? And I was like, shoot you, I would. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then he said, well, it comes with a raise. I was like, yeah, I sure would like it now, <laughs> which was really great. And the cool thing I liked about Emeron that he did for a lot of his management is parking. We had free parking and they would give us parking passes because it was like where we were in the French Quarter, you'd have to pay to park every day. So it was wow. like, you know, you'd have to run around and try to find the right spot that when they quit, the meter maid quit coming through at night. And so it was a big hassle. So Emerald was able, he paid for all of our uh, parking and everything. So I was sous chef um, for about three, three, roughly three years. Then I got an opportunity. Um, my uh, chef, Michael Roos left. And then uh, Josh Laskay, he moved up to Chef de Cuisine and he was the executive sous chef. And then I got the opportunity. He offered it to me to be become executive sous chef oh. working with him. So when Josh was gone, I would run the show. And uh, that's when I got to do more stuff. I mean, I, we got to look at more like helping out with the financials, uh, breaking down more food costs. What can we do? And then we got more on to uh, like menu development and everything else. He was letting me jump in and do a bunch of stuff and help out with all that. We ran uh, ran that. I was down there all together 13 years. Oh. Um, what type of food then, was Nola known for? It was Emerald's more laid back Creole wise. Okay. I mean, even though we still had white tablecloths and everything else, but the vibe was a little bit different because we were in the French Quarter. So we still put out really great food. It just, and um, we tried to, we always like to compete against Emerald's because um, at the time when we were at NOLA, we were rocking and rolling. We would always look at the sales at the end of the month. Yeah, like, yeah, look, yeah. we beat y'all by, you know, so-and-so amount of money. Yeah. And they would always say, well, it's because you're in the French Quarter. But no, we, we got to do a lot of – and we got the specials is what were fun because they would let us run crazy, unless we just got too crazy, and then they'd be like, well, calm down. That's <laughs> not in the price point and everything yeah. else. And the cool thing is that they started noticing with me, because in the French Quarter, it's more laid back at NOLA. I started infusing a lot because we had smokers upstairs and on our menu, we did a, a smoked duck, which was on the menu. And so I was like, man, we got this whole big old smoker up there and we're, we're just doing all these, you know, six or seven ducks or nine ducks a day. I said, man, let's throw something else in it. So I started doing ribs during like jazz fest and all this. Oh, cool. We started getting crazy, bringing in wild boar ribs and always joke around with everything. I was like, man, I was doing craft barbecue before craft barbecue was even cool. Yeah, true. And I said, I was doing it on a great stage at Nola restaurant, one of Emerald Lagasse's restaurants. So we had fun. And the chefs would always joke around about it. And our corporate chef was at the time was uh, chef Chris Wilson. And he would come in and I can just see him roll his eyes and laugh. He'll be like, like, who put that special on the menu? And I'm like, this guy did. (laughs) And And it was like, you're doing that barbecue stuff again? I said, yes, sir. And I said, this is our 45th plate special going out tonight. And he's oh, like, 45? And I'm like, yeah. And I said, we only got like 10 more orders to go. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, it <laughs> changes everything. When you can, yeah. You can yeah. show. But the, what, an, what an education. What a great education for you. Oh, Amazing. it was. It was. Everything I learned down there is, I mean, I'm going to remember to the day I die. And we, even moving back to small town where I'm at, Audubelle, uh, I try my best to use everything I learned there because Emerald's big thing was like, if you start with perfect product, your end product's going to be 10 times better. And so we try to leave them use that same format here. Um, it, it could be a lot of extra work trying to make everything from scratch, trying to do more French style, you know, technical or technical work on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the product, end product, is a whole lot. It's, it's oh, 10 yeah. times, but in my eyes. And, you know, if somebody says these are fresh green beans and these are canned green beans, I can tell the difference. Uh, that's just People me from can. being around a great food yeah. for as many years as I was in New Orleans and trying a bunch of different things. We try to incorporate some of that stuff here in, in Idabel, too. And what what is Idabel like? And did you go back because of the pandemic? Did they shut down the restaurant? Well, I, I, we came back. Um, I came back to Idabel. 
well, twice, I'd say that. I came back because in 2013, I got the opportunity to be on Chopped, which was on Food Network. Oh, yeah. And I was at, I was working in uh, at NOLA that night. My Josh was off work, so I was running the show. And there was some, um, I guess, representatives for Food Network. I guess they were over in Mississippi scouting people and things like that. And they came yeah. to eat at NOLA. Well, they were at the chef table. And I didn't know it. Somebody just said, hey, um, these are some special guests. You know, treat them right. So we sent out some amuse, and uh, we did another course of a, a, a boost and little snacks and stuff. We ha- I had a line cook that was it was it was pretty busy night, but he just kept getting crammed and crammed and and backing up every ticket, waiting on stuff. And so I had to, as you as people say, I had to Gordon Ramsay him a little bit. <laughs> uh, and you know, when you're at the chef table, you're right there, pretty much by the kitchen. You're in the kitchen, yeah. so they get to see everything that's going on. Now, I wasn't trying to go off crazy and cuss up and down like you see Gordon and stuff does, but I was like, hey, dude, you're, you're killing me. You're killing me. Well, he pops off. It's like, if you think you can do any better, won't you jump back here? And I was like, okay, All right. challenge accepted. <laughs> so the way we were doing is we expedite out front, and then you know the cooks prep everything. We garnish, look at everything. We send it out before we get to the food owner. So I grabbed our printer, turned it into the kitchen. I went on the other line. I started working his station and I was commanding all the tickets from the kitchen and working his station and trying to keep the whole control. of yeah. the, And we were pushing, you know, almost 400 covers this night. The general manager comes over there and he's like, just staring at me. You okay. I'm like, Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm just trying to teach these little kids and stuff. And, you know, I wasn't trying to cuss, make him mad. And then, so we finally got caught up. I went back around and I told the food runners, I said, okay, we can get back onto our regular stations. We've calmed down. And I had to take one little last last jab at the kid. And I walked by him. I said, see, that's how it's done. And then I just walked past. And he ended up getting mad and quitting. But um, <laughs> I didn't cuss at him. So corporate didn't mind, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> at least I don't think. Well, I went back out front. And then I forgot the lady's name at the time, the representative. But she said, what did you just do? And I said, excuse me? Uh, she said, what did you do just now do? And I said, my job, I think. <laughs> and I said, no, no. I said, I just, we had to get caught up on some food. And she said, that was very impressive. They're like, you did about 20,000 different things all within 45 minutes. And you stayed calm and you, you know, everything. And they, were, like, fr- they were front row to it too. They said they were front row to it. And I said, yeah. yes, ma'am. I said, that's, I said, that's the thing you learn here at Emeralds and everything else. You learn how to control chaos. And I said, because if you can't control chaos, mm. your restaurant's going to crumble. Next thing you know, your ticket's piled up, and then you have a ton of customers mad. And then if you got a ton of customers mad, that's when Emerald's going to come down on you. And that was my goal is never to make Emerald or corporate come down on me for being backed up or anything like that. They're like, have you ever heard of the show Chop? And at the time, people were telling me about it. I said, no, I really haven't. Uh, sit down and watch the episode. They're like, you ought to, you ought to watch it. She said, I think you would be great on it because she says it's nothing but it's chaotic and it's time framed and you got to do this. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And so I, I looked at it. And so I asked my boss, I said, Hey, these people want me to apply the, they were here at the restaurant the other day. Well, he said, well, let me find out. Cause at the time Emerald was on food network. So I didn't know about, you know, yeah, uh, there's a conflict, conflict or a, of interest yeah. or anything like that. Well, by the time they were going to air our show and everything else, I think Emerald was stepping away from food network a little bit. Yeah. I saw him. Maybe um, eventually faded out. Contract wise. Yeah. Yeah, so they said, okay, go for it. And okay. so so we applied, we went through the application process. Uh, I did a phone interview, and they said, well, congratulations, we're going to move you to the second round. I was like, okay, cool. Then they came to New Orleans and did a interview in front of a camera, basically the same questions that I answered on my phone interview. And then they did another one-on-one interview, again, with the same questions <laughs> and everything else. And then finally they called and said, hey, you've been selected to be on this episode um, of Chopped and we would like for you to, so I told my chef, I was like, uh, I said, Hey, I made it. They said, do what? And I said, yeah, I made it. So we went and did the show and luckily knock on wood, I came out with the, I came out with the win. How, and how was like, we, we don't have to go too detail, but it's people, not many people have been on, on Chopped. Uh, no. that, 
but what was the experience like? Did you and was it? Did you? Because I what from what from what I heard and and do you know Aaron Fijas from Fijas Barbecue? Oh and, yes, uh, yes. A, Aaron Fijas was on Chopped, and yes. she wanted she wanted as well. Awesome. And uh, but and I had asked her just one time. I was asking her, and she was saying that they at the very end of the show, like at, every time you're 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 chopped, they'll they'll I guess they bring you into somewhere to be interviewed and talk about your. I guess they replay your your stuff so that you can talk about. Does that yeah. at the is that how it did at the very end of your? Because people don't. What's the process like? It's is it? It's truly time, right? Is oh, it was a. It was. Possible? I think we got there at at four thirty in the morning. And I got out. It was about eleven thirty at night. Is when we got out. And so the actual cooking, the the whole you got twenty minutes of boom, boom, boom. That actually, that actually happens. You do that right then, but. In between each round is what takes forever because it's like everybody has an hour long interview. And then so they're interviewing other people. Then they'll sit you in this one room after each round and they want you just to talk and everything. Basically trying to somebody talk mess about somebody else and this and yeah. that. For, and I can understand for reality TV, but it's the gaps in between the rounds is what's what's hard. I mean, I think we did the last after I won. I think I did a total of two hours of interviews and oh, it was Lord. basically the same questions <laughs> over and over. And then they can see me cause I'm sitting about to nod off on the last 30 minutes. And I'm like, I think we got enough. I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then, so of course they tell you, well, you don't need to tell everybody this and that you got to wait till your release is done. If people ask, um, they're like, you can tell immediate family, but make sure. And I was like, well, it's going to be pretty hard for me not to tell my family. And they're like, why? I said, well, all my family's downtown or right downstairs waiting for me to get done with this. And they're <laughs> like, do what? And I said, I said, we're like Beverly Hillbillies. When some, one person goes big, everybody's coming. Top deal. I uh, love that so much. So I didn't say I won. I didn't say anything. I came downstairs and I looked at my mom and she was like, well, well. And I said, chicken dinner and she was like what so let's go eat some chicken dinner somewhere and then so the next thing i know when we did our little party we had shirts made winter winter chicken dinner and stuff like that so. that's cool that's it's, but it, what a great experience too that's that's another it's interesting because that's a one-off in life not many people get to do yes. something like yeah. that and it's and it also too it's 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 interesting you get a chance to see the behind the scenes of how this works because everyone sees it on tv but you have no idea that i had like i didn't realize you from like 4 35 in the morning till 11 at yeah. night that's a that's a day of dealing with all those people and yeah and also yeah. under under three with three rounds of stress too so yeah yeah but but that's 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 a cool experience but then so then why how what made you come back to idaho well well family because the, the original plan and when i started about wanting to do a bar and grill the friend that I talked about, we always joke around about making a doing a bar and grill. I got done with chop this and that, and things happened. And you know, I was thinking, okay, well, I got a little momentum, and I probably should have stayed where I was at the time. But I came back, and we um, we opened up a place called Moon Tower Bar and Grill, okay. and it was about thirty minutes away from here. It's called Hochtown, Oklahoma, okay. and it's turning in what we everybody jokes around calls it Little Branson because it's it's. It's, it's about 100% Texas now because uh, it's it was the most it's one of the last beautiful looking state uh, lakes in the state of Oklahoma uh -huh. and so now there's cabins up there that are just been blowing up I mean there's $200 cabins a night up to $6,000 cabins a night up there now so $6,000 must be a nice cabin yeah so we opened <laughs> up be. and we opened up uh, Moon Tower Barn Grill and it was a it was a perfect blend of trying to do gastro pub style food, uh, bar food, kicked up elevated food. But at the same time, we still had live music, full-blown bar, things like that. And everything was rocking and rolling. And, and like I said, my partner, he was the money side of everything. He was the one. And I said, okay, okay. So we ran that for about two years. And then I guess there was some lease agreement, that things that couldn't get finalized. And so my business partner came to me and said, I, I'm not, I can't do this. I mean, for what they're wanting. I said, I understand. I said, man, it, I was hurt at first just because, you know, I left New Orleans and all yeah. this other stuff. And so we ended up shutting down and I think I was off work for about a month and 
my nephew, uh, Bailey McCullough, he's been, he used to come to New Orleans with me when he was like 10, 11 years old. And he would stay like two weeks of summertime because oh, really? he was getting into food because Uncle Tad was in food at the time. And so my chef would that. let him come down and he thought he was on payroll and all this other stuff, even though I was, I was paying him out of my pocket. <laughs> so I'd bring him to work and he would prep the morning shift with me and all this. I was like, well, he got stuck with wanting to be a cook. And I, I've tried my best to steer him away from becoming a chef and all this other stuff. I said, it's a lot of work, a lot of hours and everything else like that. I said, there's good, there's too many ups and downs for it. But he's, he's stuck with it. Well, he decided, because he was working at Moon Tower with me too. He was my right-hand man. He was actually in college, which is about what, Poto's 45 minutes away, somewhere in there from okay. where we are. He would come in on the weekends, work at the, at the moon tower with us. And then he'd go back to college. Well, he is all lined up about the same. He decided he didn't want to go back to college around the same time we were shutting down moon tower. And he said, I want to go to, I want to go to New Orleans. And I said, you want to go to New Orleans? He said, I want to move down there and go to work. I was like, all right, cool. I said, I can, I got plenty of contacts. I mean, cause a lot of the old original NOLA crew has spread out to different places and in, in the city working. And so we took a trip. And like I said, I was at the time after we shut down Moon Tower, I was, to be honest, I was debating on whether I even want to cook anymore. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was a rough slump for me. And I, I, everybody around me, I probably knew it was a rough slump because I didn't know at the time. I said, like, man, this is just, it was just a horrible feeling. And going back to New Orleans, I really revitalized me, I guess you can say. Uh, so I took my nephew down there and he wanted to go work at one of my old, my old friends. So well, he's a, we were two chefs together at NOLA. His name is Jason Goodenough. He opened up a place called Carrollton Market in New Orleans. And so Bailey wanted to go down there for an interview and this and that. Well, he hired Bailey on the spot because he was there. He knew Bailey from when Bailey would come down oh, yeah, time and work with us. Yeah. And Bailey was eager and loved everything. Well, I didn't plan on going back to New Orleans at all. And I was going to just go down there with Bailey, help him out, let him do his thing and, you know, let him have his time in the in the sun in New Orleans like I did. Well, we we went to eat at Nola, and they revamped it a little bit. And so my he was my jun, junior sous chef at the time. He's now the he was now the executive sous. I mean, the, he was actually chef de cuisine now. Um, chef Field. He said, "Hey, would you be interested in coming back down in New Orleans?" I said, "Man, I don't know." I said, "I need to do something." I said, "I don't even know if I want to cook anymore." This and that. This and that. And he said, I'll tell you what. He said, let me talk to uh, Chef Wilson because he was still a corporate chef. He said, I want you to come back and you can you can be my executive sous chef. He said, I'll have you back. And and I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if I come back, I said, I want to work the line first. I don't want to. I said, I don't want to jump into management. I don't want to do any of that. I said, I just want to get back in that on the line. I said, I want to burn myself. I want to sweat. I just want to work hard. And I said, I don't want to, I don't want any other responsibilities, but work. And it, it really revitalized me. I mean, got me right in my head clear. I got to get back on the line, started doing a bunch of working out, all this other stuff. And then next thing I know, you know, I was back to where I was before I left New Orleans. Everything just started flowing like crazy. And I, you know, I was back to loving life. So we were all down there having a great time. My nephew was working. I got one of my good friends to come down there and work. His name's uh, Tim, uh, Tim Gardner. He came down there. He ended up becoming sous chef uh, at NOLA with us. And, you know, we're having a great time. And then all of a sudden, COVID hits, starts coming through. And I was like, man. So no one really knew. And we just made a big, massive order because the week we shut down NOLA was the week of St. Patrick's Day. It was like oh, yeah, two yeah. days later when we found, when, when they shut the doors down. At Nolan. Now they didn't shut it down for good. They're like, well, we're going to shut down for a couple weeks just to see how this does. So we did what we call hurricane preps, where we just take everything. We had to move stuff to the freezers and things like that. Started clearing everything else. So in case, you know, if something does happen, well, two weeks, I was like, well, you know, we'll get us a little break. So we hung out, we cooked out at the house. And I, no one still knew what COVID was going on, except you see it all over the news. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to get that bad. And the next thing you know, you start seeing that mat get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it gets red all over New Orleans. 
And I was like, oh, goodness. So then they said, well, we're going to stay shut down for another month. So I was like, well, I'm not going to stay down here for another month. I'll go back. And once again, Emerald was really awesome, helping a lot of the employees out and everything else and keeping them on health insurance well, and things like that through this process. We, I came back through, came back home. And because at the time, Oklahoma, I didn't see hardly any red dots in my hometown. Yeah. Now, we saw it in Oklahoma City, this and that. And, you know, Idabel, and I always tell everybody, I said, we got too many trees around here for COVID to hit us. <laughs> so we came back home and, you know, we were just tinkering around. I was coming through town and I looked over there, uh, coming down the road, going by my mom and dad's. I was like, man, I can't believe that little burger place because the building we're in, it's, it's a burger. It's been a burger shack for 60 some odd years. Oh, wow. I said, oh, it looks like it's closed up. And so I said, well, maybe they're just shut down for this day or something like that. So I came back. I, I stayed probably a couple of weeks here in my hometown. And I drove by a couple of days, never saw anybody here. And I was like, man. And I followed their thing. And they did say they were going to be shut down for vacation. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. So then after a month came by, I was like, well, or no, we were off for like two weeks. And I, I came here. And then so I went back to New Orleans. Because I was like, all right, well, maybe we're about to open back up or something. And I knew we probably weren't the way everything else was going crazy with um, COVID mm-hmm. around the northern states and a lot of the travel cities yeah. getting pretty hammered. And then uh, they told us, they're like, Tab, it's going to be June before we reopen. And I was like, I got to do yeah, that. I said, okay, I got to do something. And I, they told me that. And then like a week later, they said, no, we decided we're going to wait till October. And so yeah, and that's, that's the phone fun. call when they said, we're sorry, but we're, we're going to pull health insurance. We're going to, you know, we're shutting everything down. Trying to, but, and I said, I understand. I said, I appreciate everything you've done. Yeah. But they did help us with, you know, try to cope with packets and all this other stuff. And so we packed up and I started moving back home because at the time, Idabel was still hardly that much read of the COVID radar on yeah. all the news screens. And it was around the area, but not as bad as it was. So we yeah, came yeah. through again and uh, I moved back, came rolling by that later on that night. And I saw that that building was still empty. And so I came on, we got everything unloaded. I, I said, y'all hear anything about that business down there? The burger shack is anything going on with it? They said, no. And then finally I saw a thing where they posted that they were, weren't going to reopen. And I was, like, I was like, well, I got to do something. Because there, there was no restaurant work, and then the fine dining world of cooking changed completely during COVID. So oh, yeah. it was hard to work and get a job in that field unless you changed your whole thing up completely. Yeah. And you know, and I've always said, I said that building that we're in right now, I said that would be a perfect startup for barbecue. I said because it has a drive through. It's small. Um, it's a very small restaurant. Like I said, four seats, five, I mean, four tables, five tables here. And it could be something that we could easily control. And I was yeah, like, you know, I got right. the smoker and I bought a big trailer, not a bit, it's a 750 gallon trailer smoker. I bought it with my chop money. When I won chopped, I bought oh, it. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> we were going to get into doing the big hogs for cause barbecue cook off down in New Orleans. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, we were getting a team together and all this. And I was going to use that pit for it. And I was like, well, I got this pit. And I said, I had money saved up from work and everything else. And then that's when they opened up some of the stuff on your 401k where you could take some money out and repay. And then um, my dad approached me with an offer. He said, if you tell me how much you got and we'll figure something out, how to cover the rest. And if you want to do this. So my dad helped me sign uh, a personal loan. And so with the money I had him, we started, uh, I think, I say shoestring budget, but we started around eighteen thousand dollars. That's pretty um, shoestring. So I bought. We got new equipment. I got a car shed to. We boarded up for a smoke shed. Um, I got. I made sure I got brand new equipment because I said, at least with brand new equipment, I can get three year warranty on it. This mm-hmm. and that. If it messes up, at least I'm good for three years. Because that when I first opened, I was like, you know what? I'll run it for a couple of years. See if this COVID thing goes out, and you know, I may go back into it, but. As soon as we fired up the pits that first week, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to, I'm not leaving this. I mean, I'll, I grop about all the hours and everything else and this and that. And I love what I do. Is that 2020 or 2021? We started tw- in 2020 in COVID. 
We opened the 4th of July weekend. Okay. <laughs> so we came back here in June for the whole month straight. Uh, my sister, she had another job helping my brother-in-law. My nephew had a job. And so I was, you know, for the whole solid month, it was me down here. And my dad would come help me with a lot of stuff. But And then my sister had helped me on her off days when she wasn't working. And we gutted cleaning this building up. We reset it up and opened up a shoestring budget. I think the week we opened after I did my food order, I think I had fifteen hundred dollars in my bank account. <laughs> I was like, please God, it's better work. It's better work. Yeah. Weeks. <laughs> and luckily, you know, like most new restaurants, especially here in small towns, if a new business is there, people are going to swarm it for a, a good month or two. Yeah. And so we we started out with a bank. I mean, we were the first day we opened, we sold out forty five minutes. Really, and. You know, that was crazy, and it was like a massive line, cars down there, and it was, I was like, man, I look like Aaron Franklin in this place. <laughs> we did really good um, opening up, and then, uh, of course, COVID started amping up everybody, so it started getting bad, We so we dipped off real slow, and then, of course, the beginning of 2021, that's when meat prices and everything else started going through the roof, and at the time, you know, I was, I thought it was pretty high, but I mean, I was getting prime brisket for three, three and a quarter. And then it jumped up to seven at one point and for prime briskets. And then, so pretty much all of 2020 or 21 and most of 22, I, cause the area, I can't charge what most people do in the bigger cities, mm-hmm. uh, just mainly to compete in this, in, in the area that we have. So I, we, we took, almost an L all for a whole year on brisket. Oh and we prayed that people bought pulled pork and all this other stuff. And so we were at least covering our costs and I did switch up for a while there. I went to choice brisket. There was even one point I tried select because I mean, snows, they live off select briskets down there. It's what yeah. they use a lot of their stuff and, or that that's what they claim. And so I tried it and I did the full wrap like um, snows and all this other stuff. I liked some of it, but it just, I, I worked on it for about a whole month of trying to figure out how to make that slick brisket look as good as snows. I, I just couldn't do it. I said, I don't know. I just, it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, so we finally went back to the proms uh, and we adjusted, finally announced that we had to adjust our menu pricing just, just because that's the way everything is. I mean, to, yeah. And so once we did our menu pricing, I mean, it's like, to-go boxes and everything went up by $50 a case. I mean, it was, it wasn't just meat. It, everything hit us. And so I told him, I was like, there's no more of this $18 a pound for brisket. I said, I got to go up. And so we adjusted our prices and I announced it. And of course I knew it was probably going to hurt us when I announced that we had to do our menu prices. And of course it did. We slowed down big time. As soon as we went up on our pricing and, we stayed afloat. Like I said, I told everybody through 21 and then the majority of 2022, we, we stayed afloat. I mean, that's about all we did. We paid that. Everybody was paid. The employees were paid. The lots were still on. And luckily, um, at the end of the year, my tax man said I may have made a profit at least $2. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I see it as a profit. So yeah, I didn't lose way. anything, I guess. But what, what was your menu at the beginning? Was it the same menu you have now? Uh, basically the same menu. We haven't adjusted it. When I first opened, we weren't getting too crazy with specials like we do now. But it was a brisket, uh, ribs, pulled pork, turkey breast, uh, homemade sausage. And of course, we got sandwiches. And we we do plates. Uh, we were going to try to do the a la carte, like, you know, if you want a quarter pound, pound, and build your own plate thing. But here locally in small town, uh, you know, Ottawa, more people would gravitate more towards a plate. Um, so we did plate lunches and things like that. And when we opened, we were doing, we would do like burger baskets or not burger baskets. We did burgers. We had burgers on our menu, but then burgers got too crazy to keep up with and trying to cut meat. And it was just, it was a madhouse. I mean, burgers we sold and people still gripe to the steaks. We took them off. But so every now and then we do, cause we did the Oklahoma onion burger, which now a lot of the barbecue restaurants are. Everywhere you see, they're doing Oklahoma onion burgers. Can, smash can, I burgers see, uh, can you can, can you describe the onion burger for people? Yeah, well, so basically, what it is is you're going to get eight ounces of something. So the way <laughs> we do ours, we do roughly six ounces of ground fresh ground uh, prime beef, and then what we do is we pile 
we take Spanish onions and we shave them paper, paper thin, real small. And literally almost a handful of onions we put on top. You can't even see the burger patty once we put all the onions on. And you just smash the onions into it. Uh, so your little six-ounce burger will jump to nine ounces just based <laughs> off that. And we tell everybody, it's Oklahoma onion burgers. It's a just if you love grilled onions, that's what it is. It's yeah. a big old grilled onion burger, and oh. I, I mean it's it holds all the juice in. You take a bite, and it's running all down your arms oh, and everything else, and that's it. I mean it's a simple burger, and we we kept it simple. We did mustard pickles cheese it was our only option you can have it with or without cheese <laughs> and just straightforward we didn't do lettuce tomato and all this other stuff and then this just made a good burger it got to the point to where we were doing so many burgers yeah I mean, that it was just it was getting hard to keep up with so we started trying to deviate more so i started taking more trainings and repurposing it back into sausage yeah because i didn't know how people were gonna you know go for sausage even though we tell them it's homemade so now sausages turned into one of our our big things now everybody's like, oh man those sausages are really great we're gonna go there did you but take yeah. your knowledge from uh nola and for making well, sausage? a lot of it uh the a lot of the basic stuff and everything is making sausage i got from nola learning there but really um talking to um bill dumas <laughs> yeah uh, sausage sensei i mean messaging him back and forth on little things uh videos and then you know school of hard knocks just getting it doing it myself and messing them up as many times as I can to finally figure yeah. out what I'd like. So, mm-hmm. and then, then like I said, I, since we opened, I've always said I wanted to do barbecue, but we, we did it so fast that we're still learning as we go. Uh, and like I tell everybody, I, they're like, man, that brisket's good. And I said, if you only knew that I probably changed our brisket recipe 30 different times since we've opened <laughs> until, and, and a lot of it we changed mainly because when we first opened, I was trying to, do like you know emerald where he builds a lot of flavor on flavor on flavor so we were doing built bringing everything in to make all these big complex rubs and then the more i winged everything down to where it's just so super simple that it came that everything's 10 times better Isn't that funny? so we by just the beat pricings and everything else going high we consolidated everything to where i mean it's more hardcore texas style now we're salt and pepper but like i said we're like all I'm not going to say we're full-blown Texas because we're not salt and pepper. We do salt and pepper, but we always do additive too. Like, yeah. And I see everybody doing Lowry's and all this other stuff too now. So, but we do salt, pepper, onion powder, garlic powder on yeah. ours and things like that. But all in all, our brisket is true Texas barbecue style, uh, heavy barb, heavy smoke, not overcooked, but, you know, perfectly rendered where it's like juicy, juicy yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything else. And then our ribs, uh, we try to, get the best of both worlds because Oklahoma likes a lot of sweet stuff when it comes to barbecue. That, that is uh, true. And that's, what's crazy is Oklahoma as a whole, I think has, a, I'm, I'm not going to go on record with this, but they have more, I think championship barbecue teams than a lot of the States in the state of Oklahoma. So everybody does a lot of sweet stuff and a lot of Kansas city barbecue association, things like that. They're more heavy on the sweets. For steps. sure, without a doubt. And so that's what a lot of people are used to in the area is everything being sweet. So I don't – I personally was raised on just smoke, old-school smoked meat. And yeah. then you barbecue sauce, if you want it, you add to it. So we finally – it's taken us a year, year and a half, really, to finally get ribs the way we like them. But also I can cater to people from Oklahoma – and the people from Texas. That's uh, because, like I said, with us being two and a half hours away, and then thirty minutes from here is, you know, cabin capital of the world, Dallas. On Fridays and Saturdays, you can just see just Texas Tech, Texas, 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 all going to the lake because they got cabins up there. Or and it's a beautiful area. But I, I wanted to make sure our barbecue is good for Oklahoma, but I also want it to be good for Texas yeah. because they're the ones that's traveling through the area. So, so are you I, are you right off sure a highway can, or are you, are you somewhere like right we're off right highway? off a highway yes sir. okay there's a little bypass where, and you could actually see us from from where one of the the highway is uh, wrapped around by our restaurant so it's easy to get to so what we do on Fridays usually Fridays you, you can tell when there's something big going on or it's like a tourist time of the year yeah because they'll come in here and, and Texas they'll give me five pounds of this five pounds of this four <laughs> racks of ribs I'm just like my eyes is big. All right, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. And they'll, they'll load up and leave. You know, on average, we don't get to make – that's what I – we love making the big trays, 
but we don't ever get, we don't hardly ever get customers that buy big trays. Sandwiches, one meat plates, maybe what the special is. That's about all we sell. Maybe twice a week or maybe if twice a week, we may be able to get the big a group of people doing platters. But but here lately, since Daniel Fawn did the yeah. thing on Saturdays, we've been getting big tables and people. And so oh, we're finally great. able to get to do the big plates and trays and everything else and try to dress them up and everything else. And, and this week, it's been forever since we've done it. So tomorrow we're doing beef ribs and uh, all this other stuff. So hopefully Saturdays are going to turn into what we call our Texas days. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Are you still cooking off the seven, the seven fifty that you got? No, sir. Uh, we went to, we, so we run the seven fifty also, but we now have a thousand gallon, uh, that one of my good friends, uh, from high school, we could put our heads together and he does welding and we oh, built cool. us, built us a smoker. I love that. And, um, so far it's, it's been doing the job like we learned so that's a fun project too I, there's i love when i talk to people and they built their own pits or they've helped build a pit with somebody that's because then because then also too you could tinker with it further if you know that there's hot spots but there's areas that you know, oh yeah and we've already discussed if we if we ever get time and i ever space and i can we build another we already know what we're going to do different mm -hmm. on the next smoker and uh you know to make it more more efficient than what it is yeah. right now because that the one we got right now it eats up a lot of wood but I mean, it is a thousand gallon i mean it's going to eat up some, yeah, some yeah, wood it's good anyways yeah. especially this time of year when it gets so cold mm -hmm. here in ottawa you got to keep that you can go through a rick of wood easy <laughs> trying yeah. to keep that thing hot but days of the week you open right now thursday friday and saturday we open at 10 30 a.m till we sell out on good days on average we're well here lately we're usually sold out by one thirty. But now that, you know, the article and also, you know, with since the article came out and then now I, I don't know yet. I can't, I don't know if this is still article or this James Beard it's people beard. Yeah, that yeah. Are showing up or, or what, but like I said, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Daniel said something about, he said that he ate, he loved the meal and then he got up and got more. And he said he got like a sandwich with like a fish sauce. Like you had a, you had a sauce on it that was made with a, like a, a, yeah, we uh, the day like he a, came in, we did what we call our Nashville hot Nashville. turkey. We do a Nashville hot turkey sandwich. So what it is is the turkey breast that we do, we do sweet tea. We do a sweet tea brine, and there's also a little bit of pickle juice we'll put in the sweet tea. Oh, cool. And that's what we brine our turkeys in, and then we'll smoke them. Well, what we'll do is when we do the Nashville hot, we'll smoke them, but we won't smoke them all the way just to get that smoke flavor on Then we'll slice them, we'll bread them, we'll deep fry them. And the only thing different with ours is it's – we call it Nashville hot because it's the same process, but the only thing is, is we add Korean flavors to it, cool. but it still comes out tasting like a Nashville hot chicken. So what we do is we take beef tallow and a lot of people do hot oil. Well, we'll use our smoked beef tallow as our oil. And then we put goju garu, which mm. is Korean chili flakes. And then we do put fish sauce in with ours just to give it a little bit more umami flavor, I guess, uh, to balance a lot of things out. And then, of course, with the goji garden, we'll put garlic in there. We'll put some black pepper. And, and then we'll just use our smoked beef tallow and we'll char everything up oh. in the beef tallow. So we hold the oil. A lot of people traditionally, they'll take it and then they'll pour the oil on top of it. Well, we hold our oil like in the warmer. And then so we fry it, we'll dunk it in there. And then we also take uh, toragashi spice. Oh. We'll season it with toragashi spice on top. Yeah. So ours, is a little, it's a little bit different than the normal Nashville high, but it's Something to elevate, and then we we got a thing we call we call it fat sauce when we do the Nashville hot. It's my nephew actually came up with it, and it's you know a little bit of sriracha and things like that in it, and so it's it's how really I, good sandwich when we do it. It sells like crazy. How Whenever often do you have do it? it? Is it just it kind of on a whim? Like you guys choose? You don't have it every week, right? It's not. We don't a, have we don't have anything set with our specials because um, I I told Bailey uh, we all discussed it and they're like you know. We like to just come up with things and say, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. So we don't have standard days like we're going to do burn-ins this day, we're going to do this this day. I mean, each week we're like, like this week I was like, you know, let's just try this. So like this week we're doing tabbouleh as a side option. Oh, cool. um, I'm, we got a bunch of kale in because uh, we had a big catering. So we are, we got some kale from some locals. So right now I got a batch of kimchi that I'm making, kale kimchi, that oh, cool. we're going to use on something next week. Nice. Um you know, we got green chili hominy. So it's, we treat it almost like a Native American sofa would be uh, with uh, cracked hominy and things like that. But we had a bunch of green chilies in it. And people ask, we tell them this is our version of mac and cheese. So we put a bunch of cheese in with it. 
so it's like a green chili enchilada style is what it tastes <laughs> like it tastes like an enchilada but we do put a little bit of pork product in with it so we're trying to keep it native american but at the same time try to add some different influence fusion wise to it uh just because in oklahoma you know or in choctaw territory yeah, and everything yeah. else and so we're trying to pay homage to much all the heritage around yeah. us that's cool that you have that you do an homage to them that's so then, so you, so does the special, with the specials, do they also go with the sides then? Because isn't there like a white trash uh, mac and cheese or something? Oh, we have, we have three standard sides. Okay. Uh, we have our Cajun style red beans, which from working in New Orleans. Perfect. Uh, you got to have red beans. So of course it, it's going to have some little bit of brisket trim in there, but it'll have the Cajun Trinity in it and red beans. And we make, we save all of our bones from when we trim down our spare ribs and we make a big pork broth. Okay. And that's what we cook our beans in. And then we, we got a thing. We call it white trash potato salad. And the reason why we call it white trash potato salad is because I always joke around. Because when I was in New Orleans, everybody, we a lot of line cooks and everything, we'd always joke around, especially during football season. Of course, yeah. Because I'd always say, no, oh, you're about to beat the mess out of y'all, which <laughs> they would disappoint me half the time. But <laughs> they're like, man, the only thing in Oklahoma is white trash and rednecks. So I was like, true. True. I mean, I'll, I'll give you Whatever, that. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if that's what you think. So on our menu, you'll see us. I'll say we're doing this redneck style sandwich, or we're doing this white trash, whatever, whatever. So we do it as a as, as a gimmick towards them. But mm. as you know, everybody says Oklahoma's you know white trash and redneck. So I was like, yeah, I'm proud of both of them. Yeah, exactly. So, it's I mean, pride for yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you'll see me doing, and it, it's little gimmicks of stuff like well, I hear people joke about, like this is what white trash people eat or rednecks eat this and that, this and that. And I'm like, well, no, I'm more of a redneck. I know what people <laughs> eat. But our white trash potato salad, all that is, it's a loaded baked potato. As a joke, as an homage to uh, people joking around white trash, we top it with bacon bits, like just an imitation <laughs> exactly. bacon bits. So there's real bacon in it. And then, of course, yeah. we got mustard, chili, kitchen sink, basically, in it. Do you make your own desserts then, too? Because that's... It sounds like you would, or do you have, even have desserts? Is that given a space for desserts? desserts? Yeah, dessert wise, yeah. Uh, dessert. My sister, I let my sister take care of a lot of desserts and everything else because I focus on that. And we we arrange around, uh, like I said, with the weather. We I, everybody else jokes around, like, why don't you do this? I said, I cook seasonal, so when it's cold, I'm gonna cook a lot more heavy stuff on uh, mm-hmm. sides. As it gets hotter in Oklahoma, especially when it gets up to the hundreds and yeah. everything else. We do a bunch of lighter stuff. So right now we're doing a bunch of cobblers, different style cobblers. Oh, cool. um, our top seller cobbler, when we do it, we call it Fireball Fireball Peach Cobbler, which is it's peach cobbler with a lot of Fireball whiskey in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal <laughs> and we'll puree that up, and that's what we make our crumble with. Oh, cool. Uh, that's really good. Uh, this week we're doing a uh, chocolate pecan bourbon uh, bread pudding. Oh, wow. Uh, and so we'll do a lot of bread pudding for cobblers around this time of the year. Uh, and then we'll ease into who knows. Yeah. Main, we, do, we do puddings. We do Mississippi mud pies. We try to stay away dessert-wise than what the traditional banana pudding and things like yeah. that. So we try to have some fun doing different cheesecakes and things like that. Sounds like you have fun with everything you're doing. It, and it seems like we do. Doing- we, try, we try to have the classics mm-hmm. and we try to stay with the classics. But Sidewise, each week we always try to change up. We we have one standard sausage, and then we try to do a different sausage. So we try to have some stuff there, but we like to have fun. And like I said, we'll sit here on Saturdays when we sell out. Usually, we'll sit down here and we'll powwow. Like, you want to try this? Let's do this. Let's do this. And my nephew says, "Hey, I want to try this." I'm like, right, let's try. It. Why not? I mean, that's cool. So we try not to be handed down to one thing mm-hmm. and then on our sides and specials we try to we try we want to do barbecue like the same classic meats but we don't, we want to add them to something different so like today we did a yakamine which in new orleans it's another word for old sober it's a hangover cure oh. soup so in new orleans they made you braise uh roast and you make a big broth out of it. you serve it with spaghetti noodles and uh, a hard-boiled egg <laughs> and you make a broth and that's what it is and you eat it the next day if you're hungover or been out for late night so we do the same thing here but we refine it a little bit more so we we treat ours more that as an ode to new orleans and yakamines but we try to add in influence of like a true ramen would be huh. 
So we save all of our pork scraps and bones and stuff. So we make a heavy bone broth and then we'll add some additives like hot sauce and things like the, the Cajun would do. Then we do a hard boiled egg, but the only thing different is we try to treat it like ramen. So we do a soy marinated egg and then we try to use, instead, ah. and they do use spaghetti. We try to use ramen noodles, fresh noodles. And then we'll do sliced brisket in with it. Uh, we put chili crunch with ours and some fresh herbs. Oh. And it's it's funny, especially in the hometown of Idabel, Oklahoma, when people, you explain it to them, they're like deer in the headlights. Like, what did he just say? Yeah, well, but once talking? they try, and that's one thing we've done since we've opened, we try to do all this other stuff that people in the area are not used to. But at the same time, we become teachers. So we had to teach them and say, this is what's in here. This is what's in here. Just try it. I mean, just try it. And then you can say you had something from Asia. Yeah. You had something from – and, you know, nine times out of ten, once they eat it, they're like, man, that is really good. Uh-huh. And then so we've we've changed a lot of locals to where – That's great. They come in and they just buy specials. They don't get barbecue any of the other barbecue. Yeah, you've opened their specials. mind to something that they've never had before. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's their what we do here. Yeah. It's – do do a lot of extra stuff, you know, to represent our hometown, but also, you know, to teach them that there, you know, there's more than just deep fried meats and you know mashed potatoes. Oh, We've that's turned so a great. lot of people into some followers, which is which is great, which in turn has helped us out a lot too. No, if I feel like the people of Idaho, it's they're very lucky to have you, and it's it's something, and you're, and you're lucky to have them as customers. But it also, it's it's inspiring what you're doing and it, what you what you have as a gem of a restaurant. It's like it's such a and people that might not even realize how special it is. That's I'm so, so thankful to talk to you. And I, I can't, oh, I cannot wait to visit. Is there anything about you that you want people to know about or anything about the restaurant that we haven't discussed? Call. <laughs> Follow us. Get our number online. If there's something you know you want. I'll put it down. We do, pre- we do pre-orders at 8 a.m. in the morning. Oh, cool. A lot of the other big cities, you'll see them do pre-orders all during the week. We, we set from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. that you can pre-order. Uh, if you're traveling, because we do get a lot of travelers, and that's great sometimes know. they don't understand that they can pre-order, and they get here wanting brisket at one o'clock, and we're already out of brisket. So we tell everybody, give us a call at between eight a.m. and ten a.m., and you can reserve your meat, and we'll hold it here. Cool. We the sign may say sold out, but we'll still have your brisket and slab of ribs or whatever you want. We'll hold it for that you. That is great to know. That's important. and uh, so we we do that. Other than that, it's just we want some people who. We want people to come try us out. Yeah, uh, we want you to pull up to the restaurant and be like, "Oh man, I don't know about this. It's a little hole in the wall. I don't know." That's and then the we best, want to surprise though. you when, once you it. eat it. It's, That's it's my favorite we thing. We're, I, we call our restaurant the perfect yin and yang. Um, you come in thinking like, "Oh, I don't know about this," and then all of a sudden you try the food and it's unexpected of what you would see nice. coming through Idaho, Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. so yeah. it's like we 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 always like to say our barbecue is. Classic, old school Texas barbecue meets new age barbecue meets fine dining, but we all try to put it all those same concepts all on one plate and yeah. for you to try. All in a five in a five seat or five table restaurant, like it's a it's, five table restaurant. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Wait, so so let's let's go over. You said it was about two and a half hours from Dallas. I think we might have said that off off camera. So two and a half yep. hours um, from Dallas. How how close are you to other cities in the area? So people. Can uh, like how far away Oklahoma, Oklahoma City is probably about three and a half hours, and Tulsa is okay. about three hours. Oh. Now, there's Paris, uh, which roughly what do you think twenty, maybe twenty thousand people there, and then we got Texarkana, which I think they're up to fifty thousand people. Okay. Those both of those places about forty five minutes. Oh, not but too that's hard. about it. I mean, okay. two hours. Any metropolitans two and a half to three hours yeah. away from us. So. And, and Broken Bow. Why do I know Broken Bow? Because I, I, Daniel mentioned it in the article, and he mentioned it. To Broken Bow. Uh, well, Broken Bow. Everybody calls it Broken Bow. Us, if we're local, we call it Hochetown because oh, that's yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> it's <laughs> a big. It's turned into a big tourist area for people from Texas, Arkansas, okay. and everything else. Like I said, it's it's Little Branson. I mean, also oh, that is the place that you were discussing. Cabins. Okay, gotcha. Okay, a lot of cabin okay. areas, a lot of places to go, ATVs and things like that. Okay, uh, nice restaurants that are up there now, and everything else. So they they have a lot of tourists that go up there. So someone and, could like, come, so, and, so someone could go and stay in Broken Bow and visit you a couple times. Like they can go. Is it that close? Like is it half an hour? You said. Yeah, we're only we're only thirty minutes. We're actually on the way to Hodgson. Yeah. Uh, you you come. 
around Ida Bell. There's bypasses, but if you come in town a little bit, you can catch us, load up, we can have you in and out the door, and you can head to Hochstown like 25 minutes away from here. So I was trying to think if there's anywhere in Ida Bell that people could stay if they wanted to spend the night and visit you twice. Like say someone wanted to visit you twice and then get on their way. Is there anywhere? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can get it on the way and then turn around and get it on the way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'd be perfect. Because there's no are there any hotels in Ida Bell? Uh, we had some hotels. Uh, okay. I think we had like three or four hotels and stuff like that. Oh, cool. So okay. people stop here and a lot of people actually are booking more here in, in Ida Bell and in Brooklyn area and then driving up to the lake and everything. Yeah. So. Excellent. But thank, thank you Tab, so much for taking the time. I truly appreciate it. You can, I have your whole story. So this is so good. Thank right. you. I appreciate I it. I really appreciate much. meeting you. That's, I can't wait to visit. I really, truly cannot. <laughs> thank you much. All right. Have a great day, sir. You too. Thank you. I right, take care. Bye.